When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Pulp movie. This is the third installment of our Badass Fest, Badass Fest 5, our summer celebration of the 80s and 90s action movies that, uh, shamefully to say, made us partially who we are. Uh, This is the 1998 film Armageddon. It's a space disaster film. Uh, Before I forget to say, because I I frequently do, this is streaming on Max. I know a lot of y'all have Max subscriptions. Uh, In fact, thank you to Max for partially unofficially supporting the Badass Fest 5 because they've had the the last three films of the Fest uh, on their service. Armageddon, uh, Demolition Man, and uh, Enter the Dragon. Oh no! Total Recall. They did not. <laughs> the last three, not 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 the previous three. The last, the final three. We had to supply that Blu-ray ourselves. Uh, yeah, it's 1998's American space disaster film. It was directed by Michael Bay. Michael Bay mm-hmm. knows his way around action films for better or worse. He's done the Bad Boys franchise, The Rock, Transformers, Pearl Harbor. Screenplay by the credited. Five of Jonathan Hensley, who wrote Jumanji, Die Hard with a Vengeance, J.J. Abrams, we know J.J., uh, co-created Lost, co- uh, the Cloverfield, the Star Trek reboot, Star Wars The Force Awakens, and the other one. Adaptation, credited by Tony Gilroy, who wrote the Bourne trilogy, also the creator of Andor, which we quite liked last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with Shane Salerno, who wrote Alien vs. Predator, Ghost Rider, and who James Cameron has personally tapped to write, co-write all of the Avatar sequels, including Way of Water. That's got to be a lucrative contract, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, story also by Robert Roy Poole, uh, whose big credit is Outbreak, the, uh, the Dustin Hoffman disease vehicle, as well as eight other uncredited writers. This film is a real patchwork. It stars Bruce Willis, the man himself. This is the uh, the, the guy on our, our badass Mount Rushmore. We'll be talking about him more in a minute. Uh, Got to start moonlighting. He's in Die Hard, Sixth Sense, and Unbreakable. Do you know the connection those two films have with this one? Uh, I know what Sixth Sense has in common, but not Unbreakable. So Bruce Willis made a very expensive comedy for Walt Disney... Mm-hmm. that he got halfway through the production on and said, you know what? This movie's shit. I don't want to do it anymore. And the mouse came over with a steel pipe and said, Bruce, you're going to make three fucking movies for us. And you're going to take your, and we're going to take your, uh, the, the, the production cost of this piece of shit out of your salary. Those three films, Armageddon, The Sixth Sense, and Unbreakable. That's not what I read. I read it was really? Armageddon, The Sixth Sense, and The Kid, which... Is oh, I, I gotta be a flop, right? We got a, we got a, we got, we got a, we got a, we got a canon lore conflict here. Yeah, it, it, you're it, all other details. I read exactly the same though. That's wild. Uh, hmm. 
I think it's funny that you've got like it, it's just like you know if if, if I, I like the symmetry of Armageddon, Six Sense, and Unbreakable because like one uh, of these things is not like the others. Um, Billy Bob Thornton co-stars in this film. He's been in Monsters Ball, Friday Night Lights, Bad Santa. He was evil incarnate in the first season of Fargo. Liv Tyler, what a cutie! Uh, I I have had a lifelong crush on this woman. She's Princess Arwen, of course. Love her as Meg on The Leftovers. Ben fucking Affleck, all over the map with this guy. Writing, directing, he's good in Goodwill Hunting. Argo, fuck yourself. Geely, kind of sucked as Daredevil. Will Patton, just loved him on Silo, Jim. Mm-hmm, me too. Still in, still in his prime. I've always prime. loved Will Patton. I know mm-hmm. he's still in his prime in this. Like you know, we we've recognized he's gone into like an old curmudgeonly man stage, but mm-hmm. uh, he's still still sturdy co-star stage here. Uh, Keith David, of course, you've seen him in the thing. He's the president of these United States on Rick and Morty. Michael Clark Duncan, dearly departed. Uh, we just did a podcast on the Green Mile last year. He's the, he was the best part of the Ben Affleck Daredevil, by the way. His kingpin. Peter Stormare, the cast on this show. Uh, he's in Fargo, the movie, The Big Lebowski, tons of other stuff. Steve Buscemi, Con Air, starred in Boardwalk Empire, darling of the Bald Move podcast, early goings. Owen Wilson, wow. Real young in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Isaacs plays a professional nerd in this. Charlton Heston is the narrator in this. What a cast. Um... Yeah, for, Jim, for Michael Bay's third movie, he got a lot of really high profile people to work on this. He got so much stuff for this film. I can't, I, can't, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I have so much to say about this film. Um, I am curious. Roger Ebert hates this film, it's on one of his most hated film lists. Uh-huh. Uh, just ripped it up into shreds. Not well regarded by many critics, yet it's a criterion. <laughs> It was the last Criterion uh, release of uh, Laserdisc, uh, and the one of the the people in the, the Criterion collection defended its inclusion. Uh, people tend to love it. What do you think, Jim? What do you think of Armageddon? Yeah, I love it, but I saw it when I was sixteen, uh, so I have some built-in nostalgia for it. I don't think I would love this movie today, but look, uh, I I'm a sci-fi geek. This has that going for it, even though the sci part is is way too heavily blended with the fi part of that. Uh, it, and it's just a cool, fun movie. Like, it looks amazing, especially in 1998. It looked great. Uh, the characters are all, like, different and fun enough, and none of them are, like, relied upon to make this movie great on their own. It's an ensemble kind of thing. Uh, all of these actors are either big at the time, like Bruce Willis, or go on to be bigger. And so this is kind of an example of a lot of their early work. I don't know, man. I think there's a lot to like about this movie. There's a lot to like about this movie, um, and we're definitely going to be talking about that. I also said the the I, I noticed this for the first time when we watched this during the disaster. Uh, marathon where we tried to raise money for the uh, we did raise money for the uh, Australian wildfires. Mm-hmm. This movie is so long. It's so it long. long, and and weirdly kind of drags once they actually get to space. Uh, I feel oh, like this bit. movie needs two set pieces removed, just wadded up and thrown away. 
it was written by a committee and it shows had a lot of late additions to like pander to certain audiences as it shows uh it's editing is both too much and too little you know because again it needs to have <laughs> yeah, like two whole scenes ripped out of it uh, but yet there is something to it. There's still the, the things that you need to work to work. Like when the president gives the stupid Independence Day speech while the astronauts are walking out to the gantries in slow motion, you get a little chills. Uh, mm-hmm. When Bruce Willis is saying goodbye to his daughter, uh, you get you get some chills. Uh, when he's pleading when to Affleck get a is, shot to do this thing uh, with William Fickner, <laughs> yeah. Gets chills. When, when ben, but then when Ben Affleck's running his graham crackers all over Liv Tyler's body, you get a full body kind of reaction. Yeah, it's all, all over the place in this film. Uh, I, I should, as a young man, be really into that scene and just no, no. Um, yeah, I, there, there's so much to say about this film. I don't even know how we're going to get to it. Um, it's funny, like how so many people involved in this film, like I've seen individual interviews where like Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis especially says how much fun he had playing with all the NASA equipment and, you know, uh, just that the film itself was kind of fun. But then also Bruce Willis has swore he never will work with Michael Bay again. And Ben Affleck says it's the dumbest <laughs> film he's ever been in and he hates it. And that says a lot because mm-hmm. if you look at his catalog, it's been some real dumb shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Michael Bay says, hey, look, I, they wanted this movie shot in 16 weeks. If I could, I'd redo the entire third act. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took the film away from me and shit it out. What, what do you what do you and my special effects creator lost his mind and I had to do all to take over the special effects stuff. At the, it, it, it seems like it was not a labor of love that was done at a breakneck pace. It's kind of a miracle that it worked as well as it did. Yeah. I I read a lot about, uh, you know, Michael Bay and Bayhem and just like uh, what makes his movies good (laughs) and what makes them bad. Yeah. It's a term coined by somebody to describe his particular blend of action. And, uh, I fucking love it. because you just say the word and I instantly get uh-huh. like, you know, yeah, that's that's a good one. That's a yeah, good one. Explosions Bayhem. and camera movements <laughs> and all that. Um just unreleased just release Michael Bayhem all over this this film. And, and this movie is is interesting, especially in its place in Michael Bay's career, because he just came off making the rock and so this one of was his best. His, yeah, which is I think an undeniably good movie. Uh this one not as undeniably good but it was kind of the one that he was counting on to make him as this sort of action auteur I guess um and he kind of knows look he's very self-aware with it um he knows what kind of movies he makes he knows how people react to them and it turns out the way that people react to them is by opening their wallets and throwing everything inside at Michael Bay that's what happens the man has made almost eight billion dollars for Hollywood there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think so. Roger Ebert, I think, is absolutely correct in all of his criticisms, but his his conclusion that he reaches is completely off base. He needs to judge this as a mindless action movie, and he's trying to judge it as a NASA documentary. He's he's totally wrong. And that's so weird for Roger Ebert, because he usually is very good at saying this is the genre I'm watching. Let me just watch it as that. But he doesn't do that with this movie. The, but to be fair, this this movie is pretty ugly. 
Um, like there's well, a couple, like, there's a couple pieces of cinematography <laughs> that's beautiful because Michael Bay knows how to, you know, uh-huh. use the magic hour and and. But like when you get into the sound stagey parts of this film, it's very ugly and it's edited just in this rapid fire brutalist style that is kind of hard to watch. It makes you feel anxious watching it. So I I get it. Um, because like you compare like there's lots of brainless action movies. The rock is a brainless Mm -hmm. action movie, but the rock doesn't make you feel like you're going crazy while you watch it. The rock doesn't (laughs) insult your intelligence. The rock doesn't have creepy pedophile jokes constantly in your face. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I said, the, the, I I love Armageddon. Armageddon's a movie where like, if I see it on, I kind of feel your butt is compelled to sit on the couch and finish watching it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I I think Roger Ebert is fine to say. Could we just get better action movies than this? But we, Holy but shit. we don't. Is the problem the action movies mm. get worse? Uh, especially Michael Bay action movies. Like you said, this is an ugly movie. Put this up against Transformers, like any of Transformers the Transformers, Transformers movies, an and they are extremely ugly film. It they're hideous. I I can't yeah. watch them. I stopped watching. The first one was all right. The second one was garbage hot garbage and it made me stop watching michael bay action movies period yeah i haven't seen one since so yeah. i yeah I, to say that this movie is ugly i get you but also not nearly as ugly as michael bay gets true but i think this is also kind of like one of the man it's not like because transformers is a mainstream movie but like it's for kids you know i don't think even even Gen Xers, the the Gen Xers with the G one Optimus Prime on their fucking dressers go to see the latest Michael Bay Transformers. It's mostly children. I d- it's mostly really children don't toys. True, but... Really, I don't. I, I want to believe. Yeah. I want to believe. I haven't been in a theater for Transformers in a while. I, yeah. I actually did want to see the Beast Wars, but uh, okay. Back to the whole Michael Bay. Um, you mentioned the why of Armageddon when we were doing a little pre-show banter. Do you want to get into the why of Armageddon? Like, yeah, I'm curious what you what you mean when you say the why of Armageddon, because a lot of my stuff was, is Armageddon a good movie? How did critics respond? All that kind of stuff. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now, back with more Bald Move. The Why of Armageddon is interesting because I mentioned that this is a movie that was not really a passion play. This is not a movie that people wanted to make. This is a movie that was a direct result of uh, the studio being afraid of being left out of a disaster asteroid craze when their rival Mm -hmm. was shooting Deep Impact with this big cast. Yeah. big budget and they're um the the legend goes one of the studio execs was at the lunch pitch meeting for deep impact taking copious notes and ran back to their studio saying jesus christ we have to get something greenlit right now mm-hmm. uh and these films it's one of those rare things because usually 
um, when we've looked into this, like when you have like Tombstone and Wyatt Earp coming out, those weren't deliberate attempts. Those were because like a big wider biography was released and a whole bunch of people read it and got an idea to write scripts and uh, pro projects were greenlit without knowledge. This is not that case. This is where another mm -hmm. studio is trying to bump draft another studio to kind of like, you know, catch, catch something. Um, and I think it worked. That's the crazy part. The thing is, is like, Armageddon is by far, even though Deep Impact was first and beat it to the market and was mm -hmm. pretty well regarded when it came out. You are, it's very hard to find a person that puts Deep Impact over Armageddon because Deep Impact is got a lot. It's a lot more serious. It's a lot more scientifically accurate, although I mean, <laughs> it's really not perfect, but yeah, definitely more accurate, but it's not nearly as much fun. It no. is ponderous and slow and deliberate and you know not optimistic uh it's not the movie that you see on tv while you're flipping channels and go yeah i'm gonna stop here and watch the rest of this yeah yeah like it's one movie that you that you see once if you're uh if, if you're a really disaster movie buff or whatever and then you probably don't watch again but armageddon does have staying power armageddon does have its its fans you know 25 years later mm -hmm. hell we're still watching it yeah, I count myself as one. It's it's funny that you say this is reactive because it's it's a lot more reactive than it sounds. It's like, yeah, okay, we uh, maybe took some notes in a meeting and we said this other studio has a big movie coming out. We need to match it. But then they went and they specifically added things as movies came out and were popular to the script. And I think that's why there are nine freaking writers on this thing. Yes. Yes. Is because they saw the success of like Avatar and they said, mm -hmm. well, we need to add things that Avatar has. And they saw the success of Deep Impact and we need to add things like that. The the whole, and I'm convinced that's why this is a two and a half hour movie too, because they didn't actually ever cut anything. They just kept adding. And it feels like that. It's kind of a pulpery, and maybe that's part of its success. Is there something for everybody to love There's here? There's something for everyone, yeah. Yeah, but but it also results in a two and a half hour movie that I could see some people describing as slow or dragging at, at points like that whole Ben Affleck live Tyler love relationship stuff uh -huh. all added after this movie was basically the script was ready to go all principal photography and a lot of post-production in the can and because like, avatar got... was so successful i think or, or no, titanic. No, no, it titanic it was titanic yeah not titanic avatar. oh Sorry. we gotta have something for the to put the young girls butts in audiences they're gonna expect a young ro a young doomed romance and they're gonna subvert yeah. that trope and make them happy yeah that stuff was all put in and i love there's this tidbit from michael bay uh that i guess he used to torment ben affleck with like i can cut you from this film and no one will ever know. Like, yeah, I, I, could, I can cleanly hmm. separate you. Yeah, I could throw you off the set in any day. We won't even have to reshoot anything, Ben. We'll just keep rolling. Like, mm -hmm. And Ben, you know, I don't know if you know about his pretty legendary commentary performance on this film. I've heard about where it. Where he just openly mocks the premise and talks about, like, that, that scene where Harry's talking about you know, he goes up to Billy Bob Thornton's like, what's your plan? Send these Boy Scouts and what are you going to do when you spin up a tranny to 3000 RPM and then you hit a steel plate and the bit and then the, the pressure backflows. What are you going to do then? And Ben Affleck's like, this movie wants to say that these roughnecks with like years of drilling experience, it's going to be easier to teach them how to be an astronaut than to teach the astronauts how to fucking drill. 
Mm-hmm. And what's really funny is like I always thought that's like a funny point, but like in the movie, it's not even that these astronauts had no experience drilling. They have been training for eight months on this equipment to do geological drilling and drill for water on Mars. Mm-hmm. So they already have collectively eight months experience each drilling and years of experience in astronaut. So it's like it's even Ben's even more right, if anything. Oh, yeah. Um, Everything about this movie's premise is completely absurd. Yeah. Um, the, the, but- the only thing I think is accurate is that an asteroid could impact Earth and wipe out life on it. That's about as far as the science gets. Here's the thing, though, Jim. Um, I have a theory. I haven't seen anyone write. I actually thought this would be something that was obvious. Um, when I started looking for it, I thought, oh, someone's already had this thought. You know how like people say that Star Trek Four saved the humpback whales because it brought like an imminently solvable solution to a global audience and got people concerned? Mm-hmm. I kind of think Armageddon and Deep Impact solved the Earth getting destroyed by an asteroid problem because everything that Billy Bob oh, yeah. said about this situation was true in the film that the, that they only have a million dollars of asteroid detection budget. They've mapped out less than nine or three percent of the sky in 2023. Not only has NASA said that there is in the next hundred years, no known asteroid threat that could conceivably threaten the entire Earth. But they are rapidly making progress of finding even asteroids that are like smaller than 500 uh, feet in diameter. Those are big enough to like wipe Hmm. out a city or a small Hmm. region. Um, And they they say that the scientists think there's some 25,000 of those in the solar system. They've cataloged uh, 10,000 so far and are doing about five to 600 a year. So it's like and. Hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Every time I think about this, I almost black out because it's so fucking cool. Last September, NASA announced that it just conducted the first successful test of Earth's planetary defense system. Lasers, baby. We have a planetary defense system. They found this is so. Oh, God, this is so fucking cool. So they found this asteroid, Didymus, that's just shy of a a kilometer around and it has another asteroid that orbits it called Dimorphos and it's about the size of like the Great Pyramid of Giza and as Mm. a test of this system they launched an impactor about the size of a city bus they were hoping to shave off 37 seconds of this asteroid's orbit you know because they're trying to see if you can affect the orbit of these things (laughs) they affected it by they, they hit this thing so hard it affected it by 32 minutes it shortened its orbit by 32 minutes like Hmm. By like if mankind doesn't fucking stumble, mm-hmm. we have essentially ensured you not that the earth will never again be destroyed by a collision with a, a foreign body, a heavenly body. Yeah. And I think that's fucking amazing. We have a planetary defense system that is operational and working. Yeah, that's that's sweet. I mean that's some think, sci-fi shit right there. And I think Bruce Willis can take a little <laughs> bit of credit for that. I think so too. Because what the hell else changed? Like, did, did Americans become more united about certain apolitical things? No. Bruce Willis came, saved us all, and we're like, we can't mm-hmm. let that sacrifice be in vain. We got to give a, a NASA at least a billion dollars to smash things into the, 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 the asteroids so we can be safe. I think that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's more than Will Smith got accomplished with Independence Day. We haven't, we haven't tracked 
90% of all alien life out there. Yeah, in fact, fuck Will Smith. We got more UFOs now than we know what to do with. <laughs> They've increased since he, he brought them here. God damn it, Will Smith. Yeah. Um, stage one of his plan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, 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 I unironically think that uh, <laughs> Armageddon might have uh, done more good for the world collectively than almost any other film that's been that's been created. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay, that's a statement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what actually what scientists say the current threat like the, the this the, our ongoing success of asteroid detection is the commodification of space. Like there are now so mm, many yeah. satellites in low Earth orbit that are so bright that it's actually starting to fuck with their uh, algorithms that detect asteroids. So. Yep. You got space junk out there, locking yeah. it all up. Uh, where do we? Uh, where where I, do we I, go? So I want to talk about the awards that this movie did or didn't win, because uh, it was nominated in a lot of technical awards at the Academy Awards uh, mm-hmm. for that year. Best uh, sound, best sound effects, best visual effects. It didn't win any of those. It also <laughs> didn't win best original song, which is cut. Hmm. I mean, if you. If you look at the Academy and what they say they do, they don't pick on popularity alone. But this was the number one song across oh. the board. Pop stations, rock stations, alternative stations. Aerosmith had like a monster hit that summer with Don't Want to Miss The Stranglehold this, this song had. Like it was mm-hmm. a one-two punch. We had to endure fucking Celine Dion. <laughs> her heart going on and just as we're recovering from that here comes steven tyler flying in with no one i missed a die and it's uh-huh. you know it's got his daughter in the film and the whole music video tie-in and um yeah it, it, it was something else yeah uh and i think the most ridiculous award the only i don't know significant award that this movie did win because didn't win any of those oscars Bruce Willis won a Razzie for this movie, which I think is entirely unfair. Bruce the, Willis the, the, is one I, of the best things in this movie. I don't know if this is a hot take. I used to think the Razzies were kind of cool, but the more I've read into them, the more they're, they're just bullshit. a bunch of reactionary people with very little taste and and very little like they they're they're I don't know, man. Their their whole thing is they make fun of things that uh, and and popular culture is perceived as lame, and they attack the wrong targets. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, they really attacked the wrong target with Bruce Willis later. Like, if you want to say uh, Armageddon's a terrible film, I'll back you. I won't fight you on uh-huh. that. Armageddon sure. is kind of a shitty movie, but it's not shitty because of Bruce Willis's performance. Nope, not at all. There are there are worse lead actors in this movie. Oh, well, yeah, that's <laughs> that probably goes without saying. Yeah, can uh-huh. I? I want to talk about Bruce Willis because he is ostensibly the reason we're talking about this movie in August. Or I'm sorry, mm-hmm. in July of this year, he's he's part of our badass fest. How does he fit into the pantheon? This is like you know, um, when when the, the, speaking of one of these things doesn't belong here, you put him alongside Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone. You look at his catalog. Um, undeniably, he does lots of badass roles, but he does not fit that mold. He's not the one. <laughs> he's not the the physical champion. No. Um, he doesn't even have a ton of characters. It's not like he has tons and tons of iconic characters. Although, mm-hmm. trust me, he's just with John McClane alone. He he's got at least one. What 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 is his relationship to our whole badass fest here? How's he so fit the, in? 
it's the charisma. I mean, he defines the third C category here, uh, or is it the second C? I, I can't remember. But he he essentially made that category a thing uh, when we were talking about badasses because he's one of the guys we think of as a badass from that era, and his defining quality is not his beef; it's his mouth, uh, it's his attitude, you know. And so we invented an entire category of the badass uh, three C's for him. Yeah, and he, he, he embodies this in this movie almost to a lunatic degree. Like, no one uh-huh. can tell this man what to do. He makes absurd promises to everyone. Some that, like, and, and he, like, you know, he does the classic Liv Tyler, essentially. Promise me, Daddy, you're not going to die. All right, sweetheart, I'm never going to die. Mm-hmm. And then with, in the exact same solemnity, he'll look at the director of NASA in the face and be like, don't, don't launch that last-ditch nuke that probably won't work, but will definitely work better than us not drink, dig, dilling, drilling this hole. I promise you I'll get those 800 feet. Mm-hmm. Like, and people believe him. That's that's, that's the, the thing. thing. Yeah. He is... I believe him. Like, Ben Affleck, the guy who kind of hates him the most, is like, this man won't ever quit. He doesn't know how to. It's not in his DNA. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to get the job done even if it literally kills him. And yeah, like I said, he is a lunatic in this movie. The shit that like <laughs> uh, I kept on reading that like this is supposed to be this uh, ode to the blue collar man, you know. Like obviously. this is like this is a movie from the normal guys. Show me an show me an action movie that's not uh-huh. like is there like like other than Ben Affleck James as Bond. the as the accountant. Okay, James mm-hmm. Bond, James Bond, not exactly an everyman too, but like all the guys in the action films are always working stiffs soldiers yeah. law enforcement lumberjacks mm-hmm. construction workers fire <laughs> rescue dudes it's like come on but anyway Cook, cooks if you're steven seagal i started my life blue collar i framed a lot of houses slapped a lot of shingles on roofs uh worked a ramp at fedex i've never been in an environment like this i've even been in small family run <laughs> blue collar construction jobs i've never seen a shotgun come out at work uh, for someone to try to do attempted murder. Uh, yeah. Well, he he makes the case for why he's so crazy. I mean, he has millions of dollars of his own money on the line, apparently, with Harry Stamper Incorporated or whatever out drilling on oil rigs in the middle of the sea. Yeah. And and he's on, he lives on an island with a bunch of other crazy dudes. Like, yeah. Of his own no, choosing. I, sure, they're his buds, but they're also lunatics in their own right. I mean... This is true. Steve this Buscemi is, is all but... a convicted child predator uh i I think man it's a shame michael clark duncan doesn't get more stuff to do in this movie because he's my favorite character his this is his his breakout role yeah he's he's amazing but he's got very little to do and as a matter of fact i think it's a sin that bruce willis stays on this rock and blows up this nuke when michael clark duncan is there ready to do it with nobody to come home to, apparently, because the movie just loses him after the fact. Like, once mm. everybody lands, Michael Clark Duncan, I think, gets off the spaceship, and he's gone the rest of the movie. Does he show up at the wedding? Yeah, he shows up at the wedding. Yeah, yeah, he shows up at the wedding. But he doesn't have a family, apparently, that's going to meet yeah. him on the runway. Uh, he doesn't have anybody to lose when he comes back. Let him stay. Why, why is it a choice is... between this girl's father or lover? I feel like in three scenes, he steals the whole fucking show, though. 
Yeah. Like when he steps in front of Bruce Willis with the wrench and the you think he's going to like be and and Bruce Willis is like, this ain't the time, Baron. He's like, I just buy him a man some time. to step slide. Uh-huh. So fucking funny because you think what's going to happen doesn't happen, which makes Harry look that much cooler. The second <laughs> him on this enormous Harley tear ass uh-huh. through South Dakota with every uh, helicopter in the military behind them screaming, <laughs> come get Papa Bear iconic uh-huh. and thirdly you know what i'm going to say pork rind this when he's at the, and he's getting his med and they're trying to tell him he's too much bmi or whatever and he's uh-huh. had too many pork and he just rips off his entire medical gown reducing himself to a string bikini and starts <laughs> dancing on the table saying Slapping pork rinds oh my uh-huh. god incredible he's like god what what a bright burning star um yeah, it's like the thing is like you you wish like you wish that he had the screen time that like Steve Buscemi's character's got because that character is yes. a fucking yes. mess and not oh, entertaining. Yeah. Like he is actively unenjoyable to watch in the last third of this movie, and he is fully reprehensible human being to the extent mm-hmm. that like I started to like when I was watching this. I'm like, God, I might have to change my mind a little bit about how I feel about Steve Buscemi because you always read about oh he's the 911 first responder and he does all this charity work and seems like a cool guy and I've liked him, but, but like he. Yeah. He tried his damnedest to be typecast as a pedophile in the 90s. Between he tried not this? to. So, so this is the thing. He tried not to this in is this what movie. Saved he was me. worried about the the fact that he was getting that reputation as this, right. you know, bug, frankly, bug like, like, goes to say, like, Look, I get I look the way I look, but can uh-huh. I not play a pedophile? And just like one, can I not play someone that preys <laughs> hey, on... buddy. It's not how Hollywood works. Yeah, you just, look sorry, like a Steve, pedophile. You're, just, you're gonna play pedophiles. You're just too. You're just too weird. You're gonna be a high fellow kids guy the rest of your life. I don't. I don't yeah. have to tell so, you. So he came into this thinking, okay, this is just a normal role. I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna do my job, and people aren't gonna think of me as a weirdo anymore. And over the course of filming this movie, they turned his character into this <laughs> weird child predator. <laughs> The details are even funnier Sex because obsessed. he read the script. He's uh, like, "Oh, this guy's a brilliant geologist uh-huh, who to, is like degrees. Just, yeah, he's got degrees, and he's able. He's going to be able to spot. You know that they've made landing mistakes just by looking at the grids and doing math and like this. You know, I'm gonna. I'm and because Steve Buscemi walks in, they turn the guy into a pervert. Uh-huh. They think it's brilliant geology is just making a <laughs> sleaze ball. And I'm like, <laughs> they did him dirty for sure. Damn." Damn, poor Steve. So now, yeah, his his reputation with me is intact. Because, like, not that I would think to eat, mm-hmm. but I'm like, yeah, why the fuck would you take so many roles in a row <laughs> where you're just, like, the worst kind of person? Yeah, the, it was kind of interesting with uh, Michael Clark Duncan's performance, too, because I guess he was hired based on an audition where he was very bombastic and energetic and kind of made that character what we see on screen. And then he came in and was doing his actual work Mm-hmm. And Michael Bay goes to him and he's like, you're not doing enough. I need you to be more. If you don't, if you don't give me the energy I saw in that audition, I'm going to fire your ass. And then Michael Clark Duncan came in. That was what he needed to get him Poor over God. the hurdle. <laughs> he and, was and, ready yeah. that as a exactly. next CD shot. Uh, did you know that Arnold Schwarzenegger was considered, he's the primary, uh, what? primary considered role for Harry S. Stamper? Oh my God. This movie, I can't even say how much this movie changes if Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. Like, 
How do you hmm? How do you get I that mean, man it, up in space though? I mean, the Delta V required. <laughs> I mean, they get Michael, I mean, they Clark, Michael Duncan, Clark fair, who I would right. argue is a larger man. It costs uh, ten thousand kilograms, uh, ten thousand dollars per kilogram <laughs> to launch into space, and like Michael Clark uh-huh. Duncan and Arnold Schwarzenegger would be the entire NASA budget for five years. It would just be <laughs> too much beef. Oh, that's wild. Uh, yeah, I don't think it works quite as much as the american everyman if arnold schwarzenegger is in it yeah with his thick austrian accent i'm i don't know about that yeah i did but he there's some some things he'd do i mean i don't know because it's like it's hard to be it's honestly hard to be bruce willis in this role mm-hmm. um but like arnold could do this uh, absolutely like lead a a, a, a team sure. of weird roughnecks in some kind of dangerous situation like he's like been he does he's done that half a dozen times would I believe uh, he could turn a wrench the size of me to get a bent pipe out of the ground? Yeah. Right. For sure. Right. Right. Uh, and he wouldn't even have to use a shotgun. Just like him stalking Ben Affleck on that oil mm-hmm. rig like the Terminator would just be terrifying, right? You don't need... Oh, yeah. You don't need a 12-gauge. <laughs> you just... just, just, you just uh, He's just going to walk until you get tired. <laughs> he's going to rip you in half, Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. What do we do? Do, do we have Man, any like general I, meta stuff to talk about, or should we start talking about the film itself? Well, I'm still thinking about Arnold. I wonder if that changes the trajectory of his career very much because he he was kind of you, you know he was doing like True Lies and stuff around this era, wasn't he? True Lies. Let's, True Lies was his last like big one, but he was at this point doing things like Eraser, End of Days, The Six, yeah. uh, The Sixth Day, like in the clear, like still entertaining. Twilight. But back half of the action career. This might have reboosted it, no pun intended, uh, sent it back into orbit because this yeah, was a huge movie. Yeah, between this and and The Sixth Sense, like Bruce Willis got a big-ass boost. Now, yeah, Arnold sure. couldn't have done The Sixth Sense in The Sixth Sense. <laughs> no, no. Talk to me about your childhood trauma. Uh-huh. You know, uh, no, I, I, can't, I can't see it. I can't see it, but... um. Uh, yeah. Should we should we start talking about the film? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I I want to begin. So the, the I don't know. Did, did we mention this? That Charlton Heston was the uh mm-hmm. narrator for this. Like you know, di- it, it, this movie starts exactly like Super Mario Brothers. The movie, not the new one. The old one does, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is essentially reminding us of the six mile wide meteor that hit the earth. Uh, and the Yucatan Peninsula and wiped out the dinosaurs 65 million years ago. Um, I did question the accuracy of the destruction because I, it, it, it looked like when the asteroid hit the Earth, like it, the entire Earth was engulfed in flames. That literally didn't happen, right? Like, like it was oh, a big the blast. I don't know. Yeah. Like with fire ring and stuff, it, it surely didn't go like the Genesis fucking wave. Like I just, uh, yeah, like I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, this movie has like that ridiculous logo that explodes towards the screen in a giant like MacGyver logo explosion. Mm-hmm. Um, this th- this was a big trend because like I remember MacGyver definitely doing it. Lots of action movies of this era did it. It was parodied in um, the Last Action Hero. Hmm. Which kind of is like a fault line in action. I feel like the la- like there. I got a thesis that the last action here is kind of like the a- B C A D of action movies, where it's like that drew a mm. line in the sand and said, "Here's a bunch of ridiculous shit we've been doing. 
And because we've called attention to it, nobody else can do this. And it kind of like made action movies not cool again. But anyway, had that and like five years after that movie said you can't do this anymore and be cool in an action movie, Michael Bay's like, fuck it, explode the logo. Mm-hmm. It kind of lets you know what, what, what you're getting into. Oh, yeah. Um, so we begin in space. The shuttle Atlantis gets destroyed as an advance warning of a meteor impact. And the other real big trend of this era is destroying famous landmarks. So we're going to then be treated to scene of New York City, especially Wall Street getting hit. We're going to see landmarks in Boston and Philadelphia all along the Atlantic seaboard get destroyed. Um... I did some because like this movie was slapdash made very quickly. They lost special effects coordinators in the middle of the film. Did you do like I did some freeze framing and some slow mowing on some of the like shuttle explosions Hmm. Uh, when they when that when the one astronaut gets his helmet destroyed, the dummy that they have of the astronaut inside that helmet is one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen. It's just this like really poorly done Halloween mask version of this actor with those like giant teeth and <laughs> eyes that are kind of slightly crossed. It's, it's really fucking funny. Nice. Um, well, Bay knew he was only going to use that for 0.03 seconds of screen time. But that's the thing. It's like when I compare this to independence day, this definitely looks cheaper, even though this came out quite a bit later. And it um, wasn't cheaper. It wasn't. It caught two hundred million plus dollar movie. I'm glad you mentioned this. This had a shooting budget of like one hundred and forty million dollars. The rest, I think, was an advertising and promotion. Mm-hmm. And for free, Michael Bay got NASA's cooperation. They let him shoot in their thirty million dollar fish tank. Uh, he approached an oil rig that I guess you're not usually allowed to film on a four hundred million dollar oil rig, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna make oil derrick workers uh, save the world." And the petroleum company was so impressed that they gave him carte blanche <laughs> to film on their thing. Like, he got so much like free jet time from NASA and the Air Force. The Air Force uh, kicked in a bunch of budget because they got to show their special forces soldiers and try to pump up their recruiting like this probably has like a on the screen 260 million dollar budget i I, I mean bruce willis took 17 million dollars off his usual fee for that deal that he made you know to avoid get avoid getting sued for 17.5 million which is interesting but yeah yeah Uh, they got huge discounts huge uh handouts and it still costs that much and I'm still like, there's something to like, there's this really kind of shitty compositing and this destruction scenes. I also saw that like Michael Bay kind of pioneered this technique of flipping over cars uh, in a way that w- you could safely have extras standing within like a f- uh, 12, 15 feet of them, which usually, sure. you know, you had to be like 100 feet away, but they use like steel cables to secure the cars. But you can kind of tell the way the cars are flipping is not natural and are in a more, con- you know, controlled uh, environment. And I was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, I get it. This film's 25 years old. But I was kind of shocked at how much age some of these effects had on it in, in a way that, like, I've recently watched Independence Day. And that looked, even though there is some dated shit at that, that stuff looked a lot more solid than this did, even though the budget is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got that old that old movie feel before digital effects just permeated everything uh yeah to where you can tell they're doing everything practically and they're making it work as best they can but the ways in which they have to launch cars 
it's just not how it would really happen. And, and there's something intuitive you can feel about it, right? Yeah. It's like, ah, this is slightly off, but it looks cool. It's like the, you know, that a delivery truck took the half gainer off the overpass on The Walking Dead. Uh-huh. And it's like, it starts looking really cool, but then you can tell when they switch to the cables where it's like, well, we can't let this thing land on its roof because then it'll uh-huh. be destroyed and we can't, don't got that in the budget. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And then there's, then there's a, you know, no man's land of digital effects that look awful because they just can't duplicate real life. And now we're past that. There's a couple of vignettes here that like kind of show that this movie is a bit of a time capsule because um, there's a lot of boomer humor that you don't see very much anymore. Yes, like this tons the of scene of, of this man who just hates living with his wife, but he uh-huh. won't leave her. And she comes in there and he's like, you know, uh, Carl, your banquet pot pie has been getting cold for 10 hours. When are you going to come in? And he's like, shut the fuck up. I'm looking at asteroids. And she's mm-hmm. like, why don't you divorce? And then he just like, he's like, get my phone book. And then not even, not even the engaging the with book. her. Yeah. And when she rightly says, who the fuck made you my, 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 you know, my master, he just starts screaming, get the book, get the book, you goddamn bitch, get the book. Like, <laughs> yeah, what? it's, it's yeah, boomer humor is exactly what I've written in my notes, too. And it comes across in like kind of everything in this movie. And it, it's just that sensibility, right? Um, yeah. Like we all hate our lives at Greenpeace also. Like, oh. You guys are trying to make a positive difference in the world. Fuck you. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, Bruce Willis is a no shit, like pretty arch conservative. I think he, I don't, because he is oh, a is boomer. He? I didn't know that. Sure. Um, and I think, yeah, that probably stuff. I mean, that, that shit was just like broadly appealing to the mainstream. Like this was back in the days where it was fashionable to just say global warming wasn't happening. Like environmental <laughs> concerns just didn't exist. Yeah. You can't get yeah. away with doing that now. Now you can eventually, I don't know. I don't actually, I haven't kept up with the latest denial, but you've got, yeah. And he wants to name the asteroid after Dottie uh, because she's a vicious Uh soul sucker. It's impossible to escape. Just, just leave her, dude. Just fucking leave her. Right. Like if you hate her that much, just get a divorce. She's asking you for one. Let her go. Uh Um, The other thing is we have a pot shot at the movie Godzilla which is rich for this movie to be doing because this yeah. movie is carrying itself like it's better than Godzilla, the 1997 Godzilla or 96 Godzilla. It's not really. So they have the scene of this dog destroying these Godzilla toys. Yeah. Is is this a sh- man? If this is a shot at Godzilla, it's 100 percent a shot of Godzilla. If it's a shot of Godzilla, the movie, it is the most like timely shot because Godzilla the movie came out same year one month earlier oh shit I thought it came out a full calendar year earlier no it was May 98 so like either either that's just a general shot at Godzilla and haha Godzilla that's funny but I don't know why they would do that yeah that Matthew Broderick Godzilla was 98 huh okay well yeah um Maybe it was like because they did do a lot of stuff in post production. I'll retract that, but ten seconds later they make a Saddam Hussein bombing us reference. Oh boy, because yeah. yeah, it's like I said, this movie is like a cultural time capsule. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, Eddie Griffin's in that scene, which I thought was interesting because boy, I forgot he was in this. Yeah, he had like this meteoric rise because he was. This mm-hmm. is like in the same era, like the Undercover Brother. Yeah, um, it's not too long after this. But I haven't seen him in a lot lately 
but no. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm just not keeping track of where he's working. Uh, so the, you see this uh, this this one two punch of destruction, and then we smash cut to Texas or Texas. We smash cut yeah to Texas in Houston, where NASA's headquarters, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, is running uh, the crisis response to the Atlantis being destroyed. And he's briefing the president and they explain, you know, like we talked about the Star Trek four situation that like, what do you want? We got an asteroid the size of Texas coming. We only can see 3% of the sky. We got a $1 million budget. We just we got our pants uh, fucked. And this is a global killer. Like if you recall in Charlton Heston said us that the last asteroid is six miles wide. Texas is a lot wider than six miles. <laughs> oh, a lot wider. I've driven across it. Like this might make earth a new moon if it hit uh-huh. it. like yeah. i can't tell you the devastation like it, like like they said like not even bacteria like this would reset the earth it would be a billion years before it stops being a molten ball if it if it hit we'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause and now back with more bald move so they establish the stakes, and then just when they establish it, essentially we have no response and no one can help us. We 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 go all the way across the world to South China Seas, where Bruce Willis is golfing, like you said, driving balls in the uh, uh, Greenpeace. There is a commotion where a well that he shot, uh, a drill that he shut down, is being reopened, and it's causing some I don't know some kind of backflow, tranny reversing bullshit that I don't quite understand. And he knows it's Ben Affleck. So he goes to uh, there's this cute scene where he goes to like tear Ben Ben Affleck a new asshole and Ben Affleck is being really copacetic about it. Mm -hmm. And I really like the scene like Liv Tyler's feet are like hanging out of the blanket. They just like slowly retract as he's talking. It's like Mm -hmm. it's really cute. And he puts two and two together. It's like you're trying to hide something. It's a whole scene of him chasing Ben Affleck around the oil derrick shooting him with shotgun. Lunatic. He's shooting tanks. Like, dude, he's poking holes in his own rig. I don't, I don't know what he's doing, man. I mean, like I said it's insane to do this. Even if you're like, because at first, I, a couple times, I'm like, well, maybe he's shooting like way over his head, and he's just trying to scare the guy. No, he's. Uh, there's a couple scenes where they make it clear that if Ben Affleck hadn't ducked at the last minute, he would have had his head blown off. Uh-huh. And the rest of the crew is just kind of like, ah, fuck it. Why, you know, <laughs> like they're trying yeah. to talk Harry out of it, but not like, with the urgency yeah, of a man. Yeah, yeah, Over. the man, man trying to kill him. Uh, no, uh, no, I, I love this intro. It's pretty hilarious. I think all all the actors are very good in it. Uh, it's very dynamic. You know, it's it's a Michael Bay intro scene. Pretty yeah, good. and it's a good it's a good introduction for all the the motley cast of characters and the main and uh, protagonist, right? Because they like they flesh out they do a lot of fleshing out of Liv Tyler's Gracie here, where mm-hmm. you know you find out she's been on these oil derricks all her life. Now her dad is scared that she is uh, she's a girl that's been on an oil derrick all her life, but she's like not uh, a, a brainless hunk like some of these guys like you get the idea that she's handled a lot of her dad's finances she can speak fluent mm-hmm. Japanese she secured the uh, the financing for this this uh, uh, and does all the client relations um, so like I it, they, they do a really good job of showing and the, the, some of the dialogue they give her where it's like the problem with us Harry is when I got to be eight, the age of 10 I, I, I became older than you Mm-hmm. And they really sell that that like, you know, Harry is this kind of arrest. You're supposed to understand that like Harry is essentially Ben Affleck, you know, 20 years ago. And oh, yeah. uh, they'll make it more explicit later. 
It works uh, good. Yeah, and it works to define Bruce Willis's character too. Harry uh, gets to be a hero in this moment, right? Ben Affleck fucks everything up, so they they kind of establish all these characters simultaneously and really quickly, and I think it works super well. Yeah. Although I gotta uh, they, say, if he hadn't been so concerned with shooting AJ to death, that maybe he could have avoided this. Because the whole scenario here is Ben Affleck has run into drill that shouldn't mm-hmm. have been run because one of the valves is stuck all the way open, and Harry knew this, didn't tell anybody apparently, right. or didn't tell AJ. Right. And so the thing's still running the entire time that he's like trying to hunt down AJ and shoot him. He knows that there's a valve stuck open on a drill that's running, and he does nothing about it. He's too concerned with shooting the man who's sleeping with his daughter. It's just something just literally doesn't make sense. Like, so Ben Affleck saw this rig shut down, said, fuck it. I'm going to turn it back on and have it drill. And you know Mm -hmm. what? I'm so satisfied with the job I did starting this drill unattended. I'm going to go fuck Liv Tyler Uh and fall asleep and spend the whole night there. And but Harry the whole time is just like you know going to sleep, eating his food, uh, driving golf balls at Greenpeace. Like what? what I, I I guess I don't I don't understand how oil rig drilling works at all. I and I I, yeah. I, I still don't. This movie does nothing. You know, you talk about some movies they they let you feel like you're an expert. Like there's a way you can like you if people don't even know how to play chess, you can make them feel like a chess expert or they can follow the action. This movie Mm -hmm. does not do this. This movie stock and trade is to make drilling seem so arcane that not even Ph.D. astronauts from NASA could understand it. So how the hell could I possibly Mm -hmm. just watching this movie? (laughs) Yep. Um, So there is a scene where uh so the a general lands on the derrick to take uh him to nasa for national security and there's the first of the many steve basimi i thought i thought she was 18 jokes because he thinks that they're they come to the derrick to convict him of his many many crimes against children mm-hmm. apparently uh they have this thing where they ponder at nasa the fact that there's only nine telescopes in the whole world that are capable of detecting this at this range and they control eight of them and they're going to keep mm-hmm. it all to themselves and they speculate about what would happen if news got out i don't know if we've ever talked to this on air but like do you have any thoughts about what would actually happen if it was announced on cnn that in seven days the earth is going to be hit by an asteroid the size of texas and everything's going to die there's no Mm-hmm. bomb shelter there's no yeah there's yeah like yeah maybe the astronauts in the international space station will survive a few more months until they <laughs> run out of fuel and food but like we're all of humanity's dying seven mm-hmm. days do with that what you will what do you think would happen i think it would be massive chaos really yeah personally i probably wouldn't go out and you know steal stuff and uh try and live out my last seven days like that but there are a lot of people who would, I think. Do you think, I think there would be a lot of looting, sure. But I think most people would just stop working. They would go to their homes and they'd spend the time, like eventually the like within a few days, power would probably go. But like, who cares? Because, you know, what, <laughs> I, I don't know that people would like, like, yeah, I see people looting stores and stuff, but I, I don't know about going to people's private homes and like, you know, doing purge type shit. I don't know. I think there like, are a what lot is of the angry, point? lonely people looking to just lash out the majority of people though no no definitely not the majority but a lot of people i think huh 
Yeah, I, I don't think it would be a good scene. I, th I think they're probably smart to keep this from people until it's too late for that shit to really be horrible. I don't know, mm -hmm. or, or they, you just can't contain it, I guess, because eventually the news gets all of this. Well, I really hate the idea of the government keeping something like that from us and then, like, you just go about and live in your life and then one day there's a bright flash and it's all over. <laughs> like, Yeah. I don't know why, I do but too, I have a very but... clear visceral dislike of that. Like, I would like seven days to, like, yeah, I'd just fuck off. I'd just not go into work. I'd spend time with my family and friends and... Yeah, but what if like, what if your last seven days are spent huddled in your fucking basement because there's a roving gang of of uh, thugs outside, indiscriminately murdering people, and no no cops to be out there to stop them? Like all the cops yeah, have I, gone home to their families. Like th that's I mean, because that's I, a I possible like alternative. I don't know how that would play out because the thing is, like, I don't know. We live in America; it's complicated. So many people have guns. Um, mm -hmm. and that's usually bad because it's only a bad people. Like in a situation where like there's that kind of civil disrest, this uh, unrest. Like I don't know. I feel like a large percentage of my neighbors being armed would probably be good. Yeah, maybe as long as you're like a I don't think percentage my percentage of your neighbors are sane. Yeah, yeah, and I think they are. Like I, I this goes back to like I think <laughs> uh -huh, the majority of people too. are good. So like yeah, there might be a minority, but like the the parts of society that make people kind of like oh god, this is unpleasant. Let's just leave and not deal with this. I don't think that would work. I think those people would just be they'd fuck around and they'd find out, and then people would get back to just you know quiet morning reflect. Maybe I'm I, that, as I say that I sound like the most naive ret, but I, I, I sound like <laughs> I, a complete I take away idiot. people's hope for anything and i think you you get some pretty drastic people out there but I, I don't know maybe i'm an idiot maybe i have less faith in humanity than i should i keep thinking about what was this in ni like 98 9 97 98 99 i can't remember when uh i was in new york for a friend's wedding when the power went out on the entire eastern seaboard like up mm -hmm. the, from canada down to like the carolinas in the middle of new york city and i would have thought you know, at nighttime of all the lights, everything went out to like, that would be fucking chaos. 20 million people. But ever, it was the chillest fucking thing ever. Now, hmm. that's not the same thing as seven days from oh, now. No. Everyone's going to die. No. But I don't know. I feel like it's it's closer to that than you know, it'd be one thing if it's like a natural disaster to happen and we're living in the aftermath or like a war happens and every but this is like the the world is going to be fine up until it's obliterated and i just don't know what mm -hmm. people would like i don't know if the people would be desperate to do something but i don't know i could be i could be a giant idiot <laughs> yeah um, all i know is what i would do and it would not it, it would not be anything crazy i love how they take bruce willis to this random hangar to show him the drill that they 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 stole from harry to do this martian drilling this this hangar is incredible. It has F sixteen, two B two Spirit bombers, two SR seventy one Blackbirds. What the fuck? What air wing of the Air Force is this hangar represent? These are three very different <laughs> aircraft with very different roles, and they're just all in there because they look fucking sick. This is Michael That's Bay's what it personal is. collection. Yeah, this is Michael his personal hangar in his backyard. <laughs> I think Michael Bay drove through the Air Force's parking lot and is just uh -huh. like, oh, I got to have those big black <laughs> sleek fuckers. Oh, I got to have that big black fat fucker. That's that's Arab. That I got to Oh, and oh, I got that, those look so sexy. Yeah, it had to be because it's just yeah. like it happened to be three of the coolest aircraft the Air Force has. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So they, so this is where NASA's plan was to have Harry train their astronauts, and Harry's like, no, 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 no. Drilling's an art. It's not a science. <laughs> I'm only the, and 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 you can't just take me. I'm only the best because I work with the best. I'm gonna bring all this crew of psychos up with me. Turns out to be a bad idea. Um, but this is it where, is where, yeah, everything in this movie breaks down right here. Like this yeah. is the beginning of the end for this movie. <laughs> this is where the brains check out. Uh, uh-huh. But you get this cool montage where you get to meet everybody. You got Bear. Michael Clark Duncan, you got Max, who's his whole thing is he's kind of portly and he likes to eat, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rockhound, this is Steve Buscemi. They call him Rockhound, not because he's a geologist. That was probably in the script before Steve Buscemi wrote in, but Liv Tyler lets know we call him Rockhound because he's horny. Mm-hmm. Sure. But Liv, he's a geologist. They call them Rockhounds. You don't call rock hound. No one has ever been called a rock. You're so horny. You're a rock hound. What the hell? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also want to know because they cut to everyone. It gets a little vignette like Michael Clark Duncan's running from the authorities on a bike. Steve Simi's at a bar convincing some young woman who's just got married two weeks ago that her diamond ring is not authentic. And I want to know what is the success rate to get women to sleep with you with that approach? <laughs> For him, it seems fairly high. I mean, can you imagine a woman at a bar? This guy gets out a jeweler's loop and uh-huh. like, what did you when? How long? Oh, what? Oh no, this is cubic zirconium, baby. Your husband's a piece of shit. And then she's like, oh god, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna fuck Steve Buscemi because uh-huh. I'm so distraught and out for revenge. I don't know. I, can see I don't. This being something that uh, Slip and Jimmy does in his like Kevin Costner days, th- th- that's one of his games. And then he buys the ring for cheap. He's like, "Well, I'll help you recoup some of your your losses here. Let me buy that ring." You better hope the Bob Odenkirk doesn't get doesn't get back to him that you just compared his picking him, <laughs> Kevin Costner picking someone up to Steve Buscemi. I'm uh-huh. sorry. Um, we got Owen Wilson, who is also a geologist, and he is barely in this movie. For I guess he wasn't that famous back in the day. Cut him. Cut. He does not need to be in this movie. Cut that guy. Like we don't. I, I like Owen Wilson just fine. Just cut him. Um, we meet Chick Chapel, who is uh, Bruce Willis's best friend, and I love how Bruce is like he'll be at the craps table at Caesars, like. This entire time, like the second he gets off of the oil derrick, he just goes to the the craps table at Caesar's Palace 24-7. You can just find uh-huh. him there. <laughs> or just stake it out. He'll eventually be there. No, okay. Well, they it's don't like have time they, they really have, to stake it out. They're on a they have these crunch. federal agents just stomp in and come and get him because it's just uh-huh. Harry knows where he's going to be. Um, I, th- there's a detail here that I really love, which is Harry's stamper dis- disbelief when the colonel, whoever, shows up at his oil rig and he's like, oh, yeah, sure, you're from NASA or whatever. Did Crazy Willie put you up to this? And he's like, I don't know, Crazy Willie, sir. I'm dead serious about this. Mm-hmm. When do you think Bruce Willis stops thinking Crazy Willie put them up to this? Because that's before the thing, or after they go to NASA? You're talking about hypothetically super rich, resource-intensive, blue-collar senses of humor, practical uh-huh. jokes. It might have been till he got to Houston. Maybe even after that. Maybe until he's like hearing from. Maybe until yeah, he's Houston's sitting in an a old Blackbird. oil town. He could. I could uh-huh. easily see an oil company executive yeah. knowing a guy at NASA that could NASA go gives all tours. out on a joke. 
you can go into the J- JPL or whatever. You, yeah. <laughs> when he sees the two SR-71 Blackbirds, he's like, there's no fucking way. Uh-huh. <laughs> they drug in two B2 spirits, <laughs> two Blackbirds, and a Falcon. Just to impress me. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the final guy is AJ. He's got to go kiss AJ's ass, who's now... Mm-hmm. Um, I th- The thing is, is like I also... The, the sense of time scale in this movie... I think these guys have been off the oil derrick for just a day, but that's mm-hmm. enough time for AJ to have started his own oil company, bought an oil rig, put a fence around it, and gotten himself all oily working on it. Yeah. He's fast, I, man. I don't think there's enough time to do the paperwork involved to do all that. No, um, But Bruce Willis convinces him to go up. Uh nasa's concerned because these guys are all they they're all petty criminals not just steve basimi with the statutory rape charges but like they're all like you know not you know not just stuff from like resisting arrest and but there's some serious crimes that they list off here which i thought was wild mm-hmm. and they also have this one-off mention that chick is an ex-air force commando yeah i didn't know the air force had commandos number one like I thought their special forces were like para jumpers, the the rescue swimmers, which is fucking cool, but like, you know, they're not exactly Navy mm-hmm. SEALs. Mm-hmm. And why did they put that tidbit in there? I maybe to give some credence to the idea that this group of guys could be trained. Like the same reason they make Steve Bashimi a genius. Uh I, don't, I really don't know because it never becomes important in the film. Actually, Chick never really becomes important in the film. Cut him too. I, I think that it's, it's, it's there to justify because, man, this film is really defensively written. Like, it tries to give you an out for everything that you could say about it. Not very well, but they at least try. There's a scene where William Fitchner is like the Air Force colonel that's like protecting the last resort option and uh chick gets the gun away from him and holds it on him and then you can see there's a thing where fitchner is kind of like deciding whether he can take chick and chick kind of like narrows his eyes at him as he's holding his gun i think you're supposed to remember that oh (laughs) Oh, god chick is an air force commando it's backing Mm -hmm. this colonel up he doesn't know what to do he doesn't know if he can try him jeez he's not active duty or anything like i i don't know chick doesn't look like a guy who could really take with this other dude who's highly trained yeah chick can't take his kid to daycare let alone this colonel in a fight so Fair. uh let's 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 stop that right now there's a scene of there's this great scene this is one of the big entertaining scenes where uh bruce willis is trying to you know show him that one c that char- charisma he's got a perfect one uh, cajoling all these guys and joining this suicide mission and he presents uh, you know, NASA with a list of their demands to get their cooperation mm-hmm. I did not know this but Bruce Willis without talking to Michael Bay went to all of his co-stars and said write an outlandish demand on this piece of paper and I'm going to take all these loose pieces of paper and, and on the fly just start reading them off all of oh, these nice. were what the actors came up with of what they thought would be funny like insane ultimatums to give NASA oh, ending up with like here's the other boomer humor right like you just, the idea of paying taxes is anathema and every one of these guys don't want to ever yeah. pay taxes again uh-huh. uh huh <laughs> uh I do there's also the so then they have the you know they're going through essentially the right stuff 
montages the like training, all the guys yeah. getting their medical checkout the training there's just some crazy shit where one of nasa's nurses is singing the star spangled banner as she's mm-hmm. uh rectal thermometering these astronauts and say and and like if chick gets up there it's like hey ma'am i'm sorry i just came here to drill she said so did i baby <laughs> like, she takes way too much glee in her job I don't think NASA hires people like this. No, she needs a psych eval of her own. She's fucked up, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, they should... Yeah, bare minimum, when they have nurses, they should do a psych evaluation that says, do you want to violate our astronauts? Do you get get a charge? Are you going to get a patriotic thrill? Uh, (laughs) If so, we can't use you. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, You get the pork rind scene, which is... The best scene in the movie, in my opinion, or the best. It just comes out. It line. also just comes out of nowhere. There's this yep. big cacophony of like people objecting to having their buttholes probed, of chick trying to you know get out of this or that, and Ben Affleck's acting the fool, and then all of a sudden, out of this whole thing, Michael Clark Duncan explodes out of the mm-hmm. crowd, ripping his clothes off and bumping and grinding. <laughs> Yeah, in a scene which oh. just is saying you know how unfit they all are, right? Like obviously Max is unfit, and uh, Bear, you know he would contest it, but he is probably fairly unfit. Uh, maybe a too high BMI. Uh, Chick is the one that I think is not qualified. He cannot be in an enclosed space in this particular room for more than five minutes. Uh, I mean, fair enough. He's staring down Udo Kier, who is a creepy man in his own right. <laughs> he's a weirdo, right? Uh-huh. But but also I, I've been in anechoic chambers. They're strange. Uh they, they can are. be off putting. Eerie. But you're going into space in a tin can with eight other people uh that's barely bigger than a dorm room. I don't yeah. think you need to be on this mission if you can't handle strange confined spaces. Well, and they, they do there's this whole thing of like, oh, we're roughneck leather yeah, yeah, well, yeah, roughneck uh, oil rig workers. We've seen everything. We can't be phased. This is all ridiculous. We're going into space no matter what, which is the case. But also, one of them has a legit mental breakdown on this asteroid, mm-hmm. almost jeopardizing the entire mission. Which yeah. is like the whole movie refutes Bruce Willis's main point, which is like, you know, you need us more than we need you. Um, and there's a like, like I really like the Owen Wilson, like, uh, talking about Jethro Toll and how he's unappreciated and he gets his whole speech and then the guy says who's Jethro Tull and like Owen Wilson's like half second reaction to that is one of the uh-huh. funniest things in the whole film huh. um, they got this uh, so they got this relief uh, the, 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 the culmination of this uh, montage is a big NASA folder that has conspicuously failed stamped on it but then it gets NASA proof stamp over to show that we're just, we're just going forward with this cast of, of wild people um, oh, here's another interesting personal detail that maybe older Gen Xers will will grok with. Um, Pilot Watts. Every time I see this movie, I think, damn, she reminds me so much of this girl I had a crush on in Captain Power. This stupid 1980s serialized cartoon, uh, you know, live action thing where it's like the whole deal is you bought Captain Power light zapper guns. And while you watch the show, enemies would have this weird shimmering pattern on their chest that the light gun could pick up, and you could actually shoot at the TV and score points and do stuff while you're watching Whoa. this. Obviously, this is not a good enough reason to watch the show or buy the toys, and it, fl- it flopped. But 
it turns out this pilot Watts is the exact same actress who I had a crush on in that show. And she doesn't huh. just look like that person. She is that person 10 years older. I just found out that like 24 hours ago. And I'm like, ah, it makes sense. <laughs> Interesting. We, I think we have like three separate montages in a row. We just had the yeah. qualification montage. Now we got the training montage where mm-hmm. the guys are swimming in the tank. Um, I love how they get NASA's dune buggy. And they, it's it's one thing for them to start rebuilding the drill. That's their design. But they get in NASA's like rover and start tearing that shit up and <laughs> A-teaming it. And I don't uh-huh. know. Like... How do you know that shit that did like Harry's like, what's this? A space spoon throw? What if that's something that the fucking anti-gravity propulsors need, dude? <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, this dune buggy has because Michael Bay's like, fuck trying to do artificial gravity in 14 weeks prep. Did, yeah, did you- the whole premise that like a drill is more complex and a finickier machine than anything that NASA produces is absurd. Yeah. Like, oh, you guys reversed the you got to get the flow going all the wrong way, you fuck nut. Uh, you might I bet you're, be I bet you're to... blowing out O-rings and you can't tell why. And he, and you might you might be able to back off like Jeremy Irons from your own drill and saying you put this but like when you step to their rovers, I don't know why the NASA engineers are not like, "What the fuck are you doing with our equipment now?" Uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about I talked about the fact that Michael Bay just did not want to shoot zero gravity as much as possible. In fact, I bet there's less than 30 seconds of zero G in this whole film that takes place uh-huh. in space. Oh, he's making about gravity his, out of nothing in this movie. His yeah. novel approach of how why we don't have to worry about gravity on this uh, asteroid. Uh, what was it? Because I only conspicuously remember that they were like, all right, let's do our gravity training. And then they cut away and you never see it. They're wearing suits that have thrusters on their shoulders that push them down to simulate one G earth gravity. And the uh, Rover has that system as well, which is why Ben Affleck has to turn it off to do his evil Knievel bullshit. That's wild, man. So you're sending life and death, like literal life and death for the entirety of the human race. And you're sending some untested prototype tech suits up there. Oh, tons of your astronauts safe. Like, I mean, the X-71 space shuttles. Yeah, Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, well, it's kind of wild, and, this, and there is no backup plan. I I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, then they have a montage where they're taking them up in the NASA jet trainers, and they're making them throw up and uh, shit their pants and liquefy their bones or whatever they're doing. Um, I thought the armadillos, which are these NASA buggies, are really cool, but they inexplicably have this enormous Gatling gun in their noses. And these were designed yeah, to go to, to, go to Mars. Mars. Uh huh. So I, I, I wondered. I'm like, why the fuck does it have a gun? And then there's a later scene with Steve Buscemi is like shooting it at Predator style. And I'm like, well, maybe that's. But like, this movie's already overstuffed. It turns out that one of this, the studio requested Michael Bay. He said, hey, we want to have a toy line for Armageddon since we're shooting for this PG-13. Um, toys sell better <laughs> if they have weapons. And Michael Bay's like, sure, we'll just shoot it. We'll just add a Gatlin gun to the Moon Rover the fuck this is maybe the stupidest thing in the movie and this movie is just completely compromised like by all creative level so i like the you brought a gun to space line i like that Uh uh uh-huh 
but all of this other stuff, the guns being on the rovers and whatnot, and Steve Buscemi shooting them off, seems to be retro written to justify that line to me. Yeah. But now you're saying it was the studio. What are they going to do? Uh, you're going you're gonna to card an asteroid and sell it on the shelves of Toys R Us? Like what are what are the action figures? You you've got the the oil drillers, you got the shuttles, you got the armadillo. That's it. I, I bet that that was a popular toy line that year though. Oh my god. Because if I was a kid and I watched Armageddon, I think I think like six to twelve year old boys and girls at this mar- movie's prime market, and I bet it's super fun to like have Harry S. Stamper running at? around your... Well, that's the thing. Yeah, if, like, it sells better just because, like, is the idea that, like, okay, the guy's got a bunch of other G.I. Joes. If, like, you buy a vehicle that fits into the G.I. Joe system, it's, like, more of a toy. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so it's shooting at the other lines of action figures from other films. Right. But all guess. Michael Bay needed to be told is, like, you can make more money if you do this. He's like, fuck yeah, his rovers have guns. Ugh, it's so stupid. So they reveal the other thing that's insane because um, I forgot some of the insane scientific details of this movie, mm-hmm. but they make it clear that they are going to split this asteroid well within the orbit of the moon. Like it's like I think the 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 drop dead orbit is at, at uh, hundred thousand kilometers. There's no fucking way you can split an asteroid this size that close to the Earth and have it miss, right? Like, I thought they'd have to Probably, intercept this, know. like, way beyond the moon. But, no, this is all happening, like, in, in Earth's literal backyard. Yeah. Um, Sounds ridiculous. There's this moment where AJ's doing the full-scale testing of the drill, and they hit a methane simulated methane pocket with a simulated ice blockage, and AJ is cocky asshole. It's like, I know the engine can take The trainee can take it. We got to push through. And uh, and and uh, Bruce Willis is like, nah, you fucking act like you're gonna fuck everything up. And he burns up the transmission. And AJ has the temerity to come out of that and say the computer was wrong. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. what this transmission can take. The guy who just blew know up an what... entire oil rig thirty minutes ago, by the way. Yes. <laughs> well, to his credit, that was not his fault. Harry dumbass Stamper didn't tell anybody to the release valve or whatever was stuck open. How could he have known, right? A regular True. fully functioning drill might have been able to do what he was doing. Here, right. also, I will say he's he's smart in the, the way he tries to patronize uh, Bruce Willis, Harry. He says, the drill you built can take this. Mm-hmm. These NASA computer guys are not accounting for the drill you built, right? It's so good. It's true. So it's true. smart of him to kind of suck up in that way. But yeah, he's cocky. He's inexperienced. To the I point where I don't it. know why he listens to him later in the movie, but yeah, I just that's the thing. It's like the movie, none of the yeah, none of the mood, none of the lessons anyone learns in this movie makes sense because they're it's not like, wanted. I mean, he hasn't spent exactly. the movie with him. He, he spent the movie on the other side of the asteroid. He's done nothing to redeem yes. himself in Bruce Willis' eyes, and yet he has a total change of heart on the guy. Uh, so we've got, uh, the, we got, we got a couple of vignettes now. We got a montage of like how, cause Harry says, Hey, my guys are fr- flying apart. Cause AJ's a giant asshole. We got to give him a, a night off the last night. They got to be let out of security and uh, they're turned loose on the greater Houston area. And like Steve Buscemi borrows a hundred thousand dollars from a loan shark. 
because he thinks he's going to die. 60% interest. Yeah, he. this is a suicide mission for him. He should it never is. have been allowed on this ship. No, it's abundantly... This is where the infamous graham cracker scene happens. Oh, Jesus. Uh-huh. I mean, the thing is, is like... It's animal I, crackers, which makes me The thing me is, is like every time the scene starts and Liv is sitting there and she's so cute on the picnic blanket, I'm like, you know, I, I think I probably uh, uh, overestimated how cringy this scene is because, like, I just, you know, maybe I'm jealous of Ben Affleck and... And like, you know, like it, it, you, when you're young and in love, you do goofy shit and everybody's giggly about it. And I would not want any of my 25, 26 year old picnic. Like oh, no. ba- I would never want that committed to film. It's cringy as shit. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the scene. I'm like, oh, oh, God. Oh, he's doing the Australian accent. Oh, uh-huh. the ample sustenance. Oh, God. No, he's <laughs> tucking it in. Oh, no. Uh huh. The peaks are going south. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm. No. And, and and then just as it gets as it gets peak cringe, Liv Tyler's dad comes out of the background to croon over the whole thing. Uh, yeah. Oh god. Oh god. The whole thing's shot like a commercial because it's Michael Bay. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It's it's obviously you know the magic hour because you can't shoot anything if you're Michael Bay and it's not the magic hour. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know, man. I so can I say something that's gonna probably hurt your feelings and blow your mind simultaneously. Okay. I have never thought much of Liv Tyler. Never. I don't think she's very attractive. I don't like her performances. We might have talked about this in Leftovers because I did like her there, but it's very different from the Liv Tyler that you'll see in the 90s. Liv Tyler, not attractive. Okay. Yeah, there's something dead-eyed and dopey about her that just just doesn't do All it. All right, me. do you want to fight? Do you want to fight? Right? I only I live hundred feet from you. We can make this happen right the fuck now, man. Bear, okay. Bear, I need I'll, I'll tolerate a difference of opinion, but you you fucking take those words out of your goddamn mouth, okay? Jesus Christ, yeah, I mean, she just doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry. I I've uh, historically the, my kryptonite has been tall brunettes with piercing blue eyes and she checks off okay. all she's she checks off all those uh markers she's princess are i can't i just you know i got we got to move on i just i can't yeah, i figure this is an existential threat to the bald move <laughs> enterprise if we don't keep we don't move on right now uh-huh i, I want to talk shit about scarlo just as 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 a scar juice this is but as, she's as beyond the way, reproach. I, I, beyond yeah reproach. like i i would have to lie like goddamn. <laughs> Anyway, there's uh, a scene in this there's a scene in this collection that belongs to a better film. It's where Chick goes to check up on his, you know, he's kind of like this uh obviously Chick's life hasn't turned out the way he wanted to. He's got a kid that he's been a mess because he's an oil derrick worker and this mm-hmm. movie wants us to believe those people are just irredeemable trash and pedophiles and drunks and everything else. Uh so he goes and uh he wants to bring a space shuttle to his son. Of course, his, you know, he's got a court order that he he can't be near as, as and the wife you know is not a bitch about it but is like chides like you know you're not supposed to be here it confuses him and he's like oh, I know I know I just wanted wanted to, 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 to him to have this you get you don't have to tell him it's from me so she gives this kid and tells the kid uh, it's uh, some salesman and he's dropped this off mm-hmm. and so really uh, that's already bittersweet but it's a really sweet scene later when the kid sees his daddy getting on the space shuttle unwittingly and he's like mommy why is that salesman on tv she's like that's not a salesman jimmy that's your daddy <laughs> like it's a ridiculous mm-hmm. situation but it still got me a little bit cut it, it still got me get it out of here two and a half yeah. hours michael bay what the fuck come on we don't need chick to be 
a hero here. We have AJ and we have Bruce Willis. What more do you want to eat? So at this point, um, Michael Bay thought we're getting a little antsy. You know, we haven't seen something blow up for a while. So they took Shanghai and they destroyed it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 50,000 people. There, and then also a little In bit Shang, probably like low. I think this is right when Hollywood started to be like, you know what? We're making like $100 million in China. Like, what have we pandered to? What if we blew up some of their shit? That, mm. They did probably think that's cool. So, like, I think that's the kind of start of, like, Hollywood starting to cater to, especially with these big, dumb action films that don't require Global a lot markets. of... Yeah. Yeah, like, translation, and, and it's a pretty pretty easy to understand that, yeah, that the, I feel like that's a start of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this movie made this, about half of its overall box office outside of the U.S., yeah, and like I, I, I think I like that. I like uh, now Dottie, the asteroid's gone public, and the world's starting to find out about it with just two days to go. And they got a permission. This is actually kind of wild. Uh, they uh, NASA has turned the uh, Apollo One launch pad, where Gus Grissom and two other American astronauts burned to death on the Apollo One test, into a shrine. You know, mm-hmm. like it's 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 hollowed ground, and they let them film this stupid uh, uh, movie oh, in here. You're right, um, but it works really good because this is the scene where you know Liv Tyler makes Bruce promise that she'll come back to him, and they got the whole ad Astra per Aspera, Strange mm-hmm. New World shout out plaque up there. I it just re, it just right before they launch, it just reminds us the space is a, a hellish, dangerous place, like. Owen Wilson said, scariest possible environment imaginable. That's all I got to say. The, the thing I love about it is the way that NASA flips its public image uh, on its head here. Or, or no, it's, but it's story about this. Like, at first, they're all like, we've got eight of the nine satellites that we control. We're going to keep this under wraps. No one will know. And then mm-hmm. the news finds out because Shanghai blows up. And and then they're suddenly like, oh, it's a joint operation, but holding hands across the globe, everyone is participating. No, fuck you. Now it is. Now you want to claim that now that Dottie has been spotted independently, you want to say this is no, Mm -hmm. no, this has never been global. It's always been U.S. centric. I do think that the idea that like the United States has been working with their allies like Japan, Australia, Canada, France, England, because. When he says we control, I don't think he, they mean we like the United States is more like maybe we have influence or because I, I got I guess I got oh, that. I read it as the U.S., but maybe and they had to be playing. Right. So we're about to talk about Russia for a bit. But I also they had to have planned this with True. Russia had to have because their plan was to get refueled by the fictional mm-hmm. Mir station here. Yeah, you're right. Um, Where are you with the leaving on a jet plane scene? Uh, It's fun. I think it's one of the things that may, if you take out the graham cracker and add this, I actually buy it. Because I, I think Ben and, uh-huh. and Liv have pretty good chemistry, even though she's a hideous beast, apparently. <laughs> um, I think they I think they, I think think they they match up I really well, and they're cute together. Um, mm-hmm. And the leaving on a jet plane with all of, it kind of gets me when all the other guys kind of join in. You hear Michael oh, Duncan. Oh, and Michael, yeah. Yeah, as Beso Profundo <laughs> comes in. <laughs> it's It's cute. It's cute. It is, and and you think about like all the stories you hear about astronauts and how jovial and and fun some of those guys can be and quirky, right? Yeah. Uh, this is a story that the people who are in that tower on that launch pad on that site are going to be telling their kids about, right? I, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I remember when they were about to go up there to save us all. They were singing, leaving on a jet plane, and mm-hmm. you know, hugging and kissing, and it was it was all good times for them. 
where do you think the president's Armageddon speech ranks in the cinematic presidential speeches of all time? Fuck this guy. You cannot have president no name, <laughs> no name sour face come out here after Bill Pullman was the president in 94. Yeah. You got to get a better president for this movie. Michael Bay loves doing this because the same thing in The Rock, right? We never know about the president. And then there's a scene where he has to order the strike on the, you know, Alcatraz and days wheel out this old white guy to <laughs> yeah. be like, what Something a shame. Big. We've let down at men like Ed Harris, so they gotta fucking take over our prisons, and it's <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, better presidents. If that's one complaint I could lodge against Michael Bay, you need better presidents. I think it works though. I think it works. Like I, I got like when he says like you know for the first time mankind has in its hands the technology to prevent its own extinction. I think it's cool, especially since it's like becoming reality. Yeah, I think uh, the speech is fine. It's the the delivery of it. You you need yeah. someone more charismatic. You need the JFK, the Bill Pullman out there, you know, delivering this speech. So we have to have a go no go scene. You can't have a NASA movie without oh everybody, without Fido, Flight Ops, Flight Doctor. Everybody's mm-hmm. got to do Capcom. this. Oh yeah. What did you think of the military grade space shuttles? So they that these movies were filmed with the real space shuttles. This is a real space shuttle launch that they go and lightly digitally composite over their bullshit titanium super spy shuttles. What do you what do you think of hmm. them? Uh this launch is bonkers. Top to bottom. I mean hmm. they start this launch by getting the astronauts inside the shuttles and they do yeah. so by sending all of them up a single tower and saying uh freedom astronauts on the left, independence astronauts on the right. Double they're gantry, all walking baby. up the same gantry tower. Or th- <laughs> yeah, this, they're walking down opposite gantries from the same tower into shuttles that are presumably a couple hundred feet away from each other. I mean, not only is it absurd that you would ever have shuttles that close together. I mean, the the shuttles that they're actually launching and the pads they're launching from are like a mile and a half apart, or so I read. Mm-hmm. That seems realistic. To have it mm-hmm. several hundred feet apart is absurd from a safety standpoint. Oh, like, yeah. And, and and it's absurd from a safety standpoint in a normal operation where we're like going to Mars to check out some mice or shit. When the <laughs> entire fate of humanity depends on one of these shuttles making their mission succeed and you are going to launch them 30 feet next to each other. I mean, that is a point of failure that is egregious. I mean, these ga- you've seen a space shuttle launch. These gantries are engulfed in flame. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're going to barbecue each other. But I, it is, like, if you... Like, a double shuttle launch would be one of the most visually impressive things you could probably ever see. I don't think it ever happened, but... Oh, you can't do it, is the problem. I'm not saying, I, like, I'm saying even, even if they were, like, a mile away. Like, they just simultaneously oh, launched yeah, a mile, yeah. you know, in some kind of joint operation. But. I mean, even those tolerances are pretty tight. Like, if you have ships yeah. launching a mile away going on similar trajectories to get to orbit it's it's incredibly dangerous and then my god once they make it out of the atmosphere it gets even stupider because you know how you know these shuttles have these rocket boosters on them that are meant to launch them up uh through the atmosphere and then Mm -hmm. to be ejected well because they're flying about 65 feet apart the the ejecta (laughs) from these things those boosters just go right into the path of the other rock or the other Mm -hmm. shuttles Mm -hmm. it's asinine visually 
they also detached the solid rocket boosters and the uh, external uh, liquid oxygen tank at the exact same time, which doesn't, that's not how that shit works. Like, I can't, like, did <laughs> NASA supported this movie? Can you at least get the, like, launch oh, sequence man. right? I feel like a lot of their advice was ignored. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. And now, back with more Bald Move. Uh, I want to talk about taking pot shots at the Russians in the 1990s. Um, I don't like where Russia's at in 2023. Uh, I don't don't like what they're doing in Ukraine. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I, I can't help but think when I look back at the fall of the Soviet Union and the Cold War, the disillusion and all that, I can't help but look back at some of the pop culture and some of the stuff I just know going on politically and thinking like, man, I wonder if we did a little bit better job of helping them up off the ground as a true ally and equal and like a bygones be bygones. I mean, my God, we did the Marshall Plan for fucking Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan. Uh, and I look at the, like all the allies that we did, like when anytime we've done that, like when we spend a lot of time and money to like build up an opponent we've defeated and like, you know, Germany, and Japan, one of our fastest allies now. Right. And you look at the mm-hmm. times where we've half assed it south and reconstruction or we were punitive and, and vicious about it, like in the, the Treaty for Sales in World War One, um, Afghanistan, Iraq, like. It's just mm-hmm. a stunning, like, I, I can't help but wonder what Russia would be like if the United States and, and the other Western countries were a little bit better of a, of a partner. Because it feels like yeah. really mean-spirited to tear down the Russian scientific achievement that they were still maintaining throughout this tumultuous time. Like, the yeah. mere, yeah, it got to be a rundown piece of shit at the end. But they fucking did that shit alone and set all the records for permanent space and like and learned a lot of stuff that we mm-hmm. applied to the International Space Station. It doesn't sit right with me seeing this being like a fucking joke, you know? Yeah. Like, look at this drunken Russian mm-hmm. at this leaky ass where he just he, he has not can't engineer anything. He just pounds on things with his hammer and speaks in this outrageous. It's, it's I don't know. I guess it might have been funny back in the day, but it's like, oof. It, it, yeah. it, it rubs me wrong watching it in 2023. Yeah, I'm with you. There's a lot of stuff in this movie that's like that. In fact, I think this movie is vastly improved that they just delete this whole thing. You go right from orbit to the asteroid. Boom, oh, yeah. you shave off 15 minutes of dumb shit from this movie. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of dumb stuff. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know who spins a space station during a docking procedure. Uh, to create <laughs> they gravity give it gravity. They yet. Like... To give it, to and, give it gravity, gravity that won't actually even help them in the center of the spin. It's but again, yeah, it's fucking insane, man. M- um, Michael Bay is desperate not to do zero gravity work because uh, that shit's expensive and exacting. Also, they're here. I mean, NASA works on pretty tight tolerances. Usually, they they don't fuel up a ship beyond what it typically needs mm-hmm. to accomplish its mission within a margin of error. Uh. The whole thing that happens here is they start fueling up the shuttles to make their trip to the asteroid slingshot around the moon. Which this is also ridiculous. Mere, I mean, we don't even the today have like a up? liquid oxygen yeah. fueling depot anywhere. Like none of this shit is real. Why, why would they? Like, yeah, it, it's crazy. Uh, anyway, so they do that. They start fueling up the ships, but it's very clear that they don't finish that process. Uh, they have to detach all the pipes and stuff because shit starts going wrong They've barely even started the process of refueling. How is it that suddenly their fuel is not an issue? 
Did NASA decide yeah. we're gonna we're gonna put six times the amount of fuel we need on this because why not? All the fuel's gone anyway. Well, there's if this we don't succeed, voiceover but. that they added, I think, just to address this as they're rocketing away from exploding mirror. You hear a voiceover from someone at NASA saying they managed to get 90 percent of the fuel off. So like, did they? Yeah, it's like a one second. It went line immediately wrong. Why do they even that, need to refuel <laughs> that? No one says anything. No one says on screen. It's just it's just 80 yard. Um because wow. yeah, and I, there's just a lot. Of, like I feel like 90 percent of the reason we have the military space shuttles is so they can fly out of an explosion without anyone saying, "Oh, oh yeah, right." The foam tiles are going to survive. We have to have this special titanium uh-huh. impervious skin, the space shuttle, so that. But then also we're going to fucking ignore all that because it's going to get shredded by the debris of the asteroid here. Um, yeah. So they're um, they're they're doing the slingshot maneuver around the, the they got all their fuel they're doing a slingshot maneuver around the moon, I think they pull a maximum of thirteen G's, something like that for like eleven minutes. It was I don't think Steve Buscemi can pull twelve. I don't think his facial structure would support no. that many G's. I mean, Max, they collapse. killed Max. They, yeah, his face. Yeah, Steve Buscemi's face caved in. Max's heart exploded. Like, or, or Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah, either one of them. Take your pick. Yeah. Yeah, these guys can't. Can they? That's the pertinent question that Billy Bob Thornton asks earlier. Can they physically survive the trip? And their answer should have been no for some of these guys. I think it's the other thing that's interesting about this is because, like, in this movie we do, we fly through an asteroid's, like, tail, and we land on an asteroid and, and, and see how it looks when it's, like, in the 25 years since, we've landed on, like, four different asteroids... We've got pictures. We got hmm. video of it. Video of spacecraft landing on an asteroid. We got video nice. of uh, uh, a spacecraft flying through comets. Like I mentioned, we just we just drove a city bus into one to deflect its orbit. Like we have done so much cool shit uh, since this movie. Um, but it's wild how they depicted. I, I feel like we knew enough to know that asteroids wouldn't look like this. They just want this to look like Superman's Fortress of Solitude. Just all angles yeah. and crystalline this and spiky that and scariest imaginable environment. Scariest imaginable environment imaginable. Uh, <laughs> I love the line. So they crash. So they they the, the the Billy Bob Thornton tells them that when they slingshot around the moon, the moon's gravity should clear a path through the debris. No fucking shot. There is so mm-hmm. much debris. Uh, the one of the space shuttles gets clipped. It goes in for a crash landing. The other gets lost in instrumentation. And they land 25 miles from where they were supposed to be. And Steve Buscemi's explaining this to the, the, the Air Force colonel. And the Air Force colonel's like, how do you know all this? And the camera comes in at a low photo, Michael Bay heroic Hero imagery. Pushes in on this child molester's face and he says, because I'm a genius. And it's the funniest line reading in the whole movie. Uh huh. Yep. One of the most memorable. I I love it. So anyway, uh, everyone we care about except for Owen Wilson makes it. We have a whole bunch of anonymous dead astronauts. And uh, again, Owen Wilson, they didn't survive uh, the the crash, Mm -hmm. but the bear and AJ and the other astronaut, they survive, and they are going to get in the armadillo and try to meet up with Bruce Willis's team. Meanwhile, yeah, Bruce Willis, I, I don't know ahead. how any of them survived because, like, what this NASA uh, pilot tells them when they're going down and obviously going to crash and all this stuff: lock yourselves in the cargo bay. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, mind you, 
at that point when he says that line, they are all strapped in in their seats, five point harness style, about as safe as you could be in this scenario. And he tells them to go back with the rattling, uh, the, 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 the back with the armadillo, yeah, with the guns, the with the ammunition, mm-hmm. with the, the drills, nuke. the transmissions, the bits, the. He tells them to go back with that sloshing around back there, and it's a wonder they come out. I guess you're putting more bulkheads between you and the debris coming from the front, but the other thing I loved is that the astronauts just didn't bother to... The, they just got their flight suits off as soon as possible. They're just riding around in their duty fatigue, uh-huh. doing this approach where they're going to have to... It's, just, it's like, honestly, half the people die in this movie if they just wear their spacesuits. Uh-huh. Yeah, put a freaking helmet on, man. Yeah. Um... So uh you get the uh I don't know you get you get this nuke scene where you get this this, this president Michael Bay loves a US president pondering grim decisions in dark room scene and they got this thing where they're talking about mm-hmm. the the nuke um that again this is another scene where I felt like we didn't need it again cuz this movie is too long and we have this whole struggle over the nuke and the arming and they do this weird thing where like the nuke's out of 5 minute tar timer but then they're able to sever the link and the timer just stops. Mm-hmm. Why would you code a last ditch override that it requires a signal for the entire time to detonate it? Or why wouldn't it just detonate yeah. as soon as it got the signal? Right. Why the why the countdown? Uh, it's only for dramatic effect. Yeah. And then you also got, oh my God, so many fucking tropes in a row. You, you, you finally get the, uh, uh, the William, the, the, the Fitchner guy. The colonel, he decides that he's going to trust Harry because Harry swears he can dry, drill 100 feet in, or 800 feet in six hours. And there's this high-speed disarming of the nuke, and they got the classic red or blue, red or blue, cut mm-hmm. red, no blue. And it's like, oh, my God. How, no, no more movies can do this, okay? Right. I think largely they have, but we just like, I, I can't see this anymore. No more uh, movies can, can also have the countdown go to, like, anything below two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can have somebody can, stop the bomb with a minute and a half left. Dude, that's still scary. It's a nuclear bomb. Uh-huh. Everyone dies, including the Earth. Um so meanwhile, AJ uh comes they're, they're trying to get to Harry's group. They come across a Grand Canyon and he gets the idea he's gonna do evil can evil. Again, this set piece should be cut. This movie cries out to be an hour and forty five <laughs> minutes long. And has 45 minutes of extra stuff. And get and this is like, again, this is not cool. I don't think the effects are particularly good. The physics are ludicrous. It's just they're going to turn <laughs> off their anti-gravity system, jump this thing. But they do too good, and now they're floating off the asteroid. It's, I don't know. Yeah, all this screen time would be better served in close proximity to Bruce Willis. Because you need Bruce Willis to change his mind about AJ. And nothing that happens on screen would affect that. The only thing is AJ got to him. Like, it yeah, kind of works in separate so he can come AJ's back. AJ's still at the a la- hot rod egomaniac, doesn't sure. know how to drill. With your like, last transmission and your last, your last transmission and your last drill head. Yeah. Uh, no, he so. should be spending time with Bruce Willis, and, and Bruce should be, like, coming to an appreciation of AJ the whole time. Uh, I did I did like Peter Stormare when uh, AJ's like, have you ever heard of Evil Knievel? He's like, no, I've not seen Star Wars. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. like, there's a Chewbacca joke earlier in the movie. Yeah, they're Star Wars jokes. Yeah. I, Luke, Owen Wilson is Luke Skywalker, obviously. 
Oh, yeah. I can't believe they went with Chewbacca when they've got Luke Skywalker right there. The hair is a dead uh-huh. on match. Uh, so Harry's beat. We get to a scene where like uh, their Max hits a pocket. He can't wear a spacesuit in his spacecraft, so he dies and he gets blown <laughs> off the asteroid. And that's what the, that was their last armadillo, their last drill. All is lost. You have a montage of people getting in bomb shelters. Like that's going to save them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you know what uh, uh, AJ makes it he, he's high up on the ridge and they got they got one more transmission one more drill head to try to, to what the drill 250 more feet yeah um, they all celebrate this... even though they've been through two drill heads and a transmission and haven't been able to make it even a half right. the way down and they're still driving through a steel plate apparently because that's the the they landed so far away from the fault and it's over his iron deposit it's crazy they're drilling through drilling through a bank vault essentially um so they get the situation just like in this in the training where they only have 30 feet to go sidebar what really is the difference between detonating a nuke at 770 feet versus 800? I feel like at 770, mm-hmm. you probably you probably still split the fucker, right? Yeah, I mean, apparently they had 400 miles of of wiggle room uh, with when they detonated it. How True. far it missed Earth by? True. So yeah, you could probably do it at 770. Why not? Uh, they do that, and uh, they get to 770, and they hit a methane pocket and some ice deposits, and the drill starts bucking, and the transmission starts overloading, and AJ says, trust me, this drill can do it. You got to trust me, Harry. I've not been trustworthy mm-hmm. a fucking minute in this whole fucking film, but you got to <laughs> trust me now, and Harry's like, fuck it. I trust you, and he does. He pushes through, and they get the, they get the 100 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steve Buscemi goes insane i think he's actively going insane during this whole drilling sequence again this uh, why was this scene as entertaining and this should have been chick i mean it's it's ridiculous that this is uh steve buscemi because his character was never seen as anything other than horny a child predator and a genius whereas chick was the guy who was like losing his shit during the evaluations and and so the calculus here is like okay i have I owe a hundred thousand dollars to a bookie, and I also saved the world. Mm. There's no way I can resolve this. There's no way the president <laughs> can get me out of this shit that I'm in. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I just really hate it. It's like, it's, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Then cutting to him oh, making all God. this. There's the only cool thing is, is there's one point where he's like, I got a front row to Armageddon, and they should pan up, and you see like the asteroid valley, but you can also see the Earth and how close you are, and it's like a really mm-hmm. fucking wild shot. But it's, yeah, Steve Buscemi, it's just, he's just wasted this movie. Well, and the thing that kills me about this is this is a known phenomenon, apparently. Space dementia. They have a name for it. This very serious. Is this real? No, but in the movie, oh, in the context oh, oh. of the movie, it's real. Okay. Like he goes, I thought he's you got were about to blow dementia. my mind. You were about to blow my mind because I did <laughs> see that, like, in, in some of the trivia that they mentioned that, that there is an official, official NASA procedure for dealing with a crew member that loses their marbles and it is to duct tape them to furniture like Mm -hmm. they do so like they are they are following the nasa's uh contingency procedure for an insane crew person and i thought you were going to say that space dementia is real and it's (laughs) happened i'm like tell me more what happened on skylab (laughs) three i wish i had that story for you no 
The N world. I need to file some FOIA requests. I need to know more Uh about the space dementia. Uh, So they are now trying to get the nuke going, but the last. Oh, Paris gets hit. I don't know why mm-hmm. we inserted this scene because this they actually they actually filmed this after the primary filming is done. They did they got an extra three million dollars to blow up Paris. Mm-hmm. I don't know why because this is in one of the most action packed places of the movie and there's too much action. But they do and that asteroid uh, shedding also damages the nuke to where it can mm-hmm. no longer be remotely detonated. Someone has to manually trigger it. And they all draw straws. AJ is the one that draws a short straw. But do you think Bruce Willis, 1C charisma badass, is going to let this punk steal his glory? Fuck no. Hell no. He's going to put him back on the shuttle, punch him in the gut, rip his patch off, um, and uh, and and send him on his way. And he's going to remote detonate this whole thing. Um, and so there's many this self-inflicted whole... problems here. What do you mean? Well, first of all, they're they're trying to drill 800 feet into the heart of this asteroid, which 800 feet on a asteroid the size of Texas is a joke. Like that's a mosquito that can't get through the skin of a human. This uh, is true. Do you know how big Texas is, <laughs> Michael Bay? <laughs> yeah, it's much much bigger than 800 feet being anywhere near the center of it. Uh, even so, the armadillos are not equipped to drill. In a, in a in a sensible manner because the angle at which they're drilling is like I don't know 45 degrees into the it's ground like drink to your get milkshake. 800 feet it, it, you have set- to drill through 9,000 yards <laughs> yeah. of iron well, why aren't they drilling straight down I don't like know like they man. do in the ocean like I said it's, it's set to drink your milkshake when you want it set to deep offshore drilling mode yeah yeah no, it was crazy. Uh, the other thing is, during this craziness that happens with the damages, the nuke, AJ goes flying off into space. Uh, he he would have gone flying off into space, should I say, if it weren't for the fact that he's tethered. Uh, at least he's on a he's on a leash on a tether line that just is attached to nothing. It's just. He tethers himself to nothing, and Bruce Willis mm. has to jump up, grab the tether and pull him back down as it uncoils out of a suitcase where, again, it's attached to nothing. (laughs) Why wear a tether if it's attached to nothing? I guess it gives him that length for Bruce Willis to grab it, right? You know, you're just just hoping someone else can save your ass. Yeah, but it's just going to pull Bruce... I mean, if he's ejected with any force, it's going to just pull Bruce Willis with him. Bruce Willis's suit thrusters will say that's what I did, did they mention that like AJ's suit thrusters were destroyed because why wouldn't he just eventually return yeah why can't he just turn those on and land yeah. I, I don't know man there's not a lot that makes sense in this sequence uh, so Bruce like uh, he's like you know what I uh, like the way you uh, back shifted that transmission and didn't burn through that drill head I'd be proud to have you marry my grace it's your job to look after her now there's this whole mm-hmm. tearful goodbye with his daughter that he does over the phone. Um, <laughs> they Harry's bleed trying... all this time drama off. It's amazing because they've got this countdown to to the zero minute mark. It goes to they... the last fucking second like it does. And, and it's because Bruce Willis is over here having heart-to-hearts with his daughter as they desperately need to save the Earth. 
Well, he's, he's, to be fair, he's also given time for the last shuttle to leave, and they are having a hard time getting their um, engines to work, and the, the drunk Russian is able to be like, ah, American equipment, Russian equipment, it's mm-hmm. all made in Taiwan, and it's like, oh, that's that's not more boomer humor. Uh-huh. And he starts banging on the engines with this thing until the engines work. They blast mm-hmm. off, and this... Uh, and also, like, I love how, like... Um, Chick is like looking at the colonel because the colonel's like blasting off and suddenly Harry gets knocked dislodged he can't hit the button and mm-hmm. it's getting closer and closer and he's like I need to turn we got to turn around and suicide ourselves <laughs> and Chick's like give him another minute it's like do you understand the point of no return like you passed it I'm, an hour ago yeah yeah um but it, yeah so it, but Harry like literally at the last minute thinks about Grace he blow, and they have this ridiculous life flashing before his is his eyes moment where it shows like uh hypothetical images of young Liv Tyler running through fields back when what he wasn't a shit <laughs> shit heel mm-hmm. uh <laughs> roughneck um how much more ridiculous would have been if AJ was the one to stay and we got his flashback like I think it would be funny if they, they should have kept going they should have kept on seeing the scenes of like Liv Tyler's toes going back under the bed you should have seen Harry uh-huh. looking at uh Din Affleck kissing her shoulders and there should have there should have been yeah that they should have been they should have done more of that um mm. so i'm surprised that there wasn't a so the asteroid blows up and the world wins there's no problems at all i'm actually kind of shocked that there's not a landing emergency because it's another thing they could have done to milk out another five minutes yep. of, of of fucking adrenaline from this movie oh no it took out our landing gear yeah uh, but yeah, like Liv runs the bin. I thought that was cute. Uh, they fire up. Don't want to miss a thing. The credits roll. And I guess that Michael Bay and Ben Affleck had this joint idea that because Michael Bay's like, once the bad guy's defeated, you just end the movie. And Ben's mm-hmm. like, nah, we want we should do some kind of wedding. And he talked Michael Bay and letting him shoot some of this setting with his own like Super 8 camera, like a family movie style, and then include it in the credits is just kind of like a little you know unwinding for the audience uh mm-hmm. and that's armageddon baby super eight uh not being used much i don't think in 1998 i don't know well you're it a still rough camera of choice you're a rough neck on an oil rig you yeah. can't afford the latest sony handycam baby you're gonna use right. your super eight that mm-hmm. steve buscemi films his snuff films with <laughs> Jesus films himself getting kicked in the balls with because he's into that apparently right yeah fucking rock hound because he's horny it's horny yeah I don't know if this is the best showcase for Bruce Willis but Bruce Willis is is a a, I mean we already did all the 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 diehards but this is uh, Mm -hmm. I think it's a good I I think it's a good Bruce Willis performance he's certainly not the thing that that is taking away things from this this particular film's table Nope, he's great. Uh, we are going to be continuing our Badass Fest this week. If you want to join us Wednesday at noon, we are going to be doing another series of debates where we consider incoming badasses to our Badass Hall of Fame list. Uh, we have like 70-some people to consider. I doubt we get through even half of that this year. Uh, but if you'd like to show up and suggest new names and weigh in on our deliberations, uh, we'd we'll love to see you at twitch.tv slash move this Wednesday at noon. Uh, next week, uh, Badass Fest will be coming to a close with Enter the Dragon. 
We've we've represented all the ball the the, the Mount Mount uh, Rushmore of badasses. We had Arnold, Sly, and the two Bruces, Bruce Willis, Bruce Lee. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't seen Enter the Dragon in twenty plus years. I'm actually really excited to see it again. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's been a while. And we'll have one last badass debate after that, too. So thank you for celebrating Badass Fest 5 with us this year. Hope you've enjoyed our coverage of Armageddon. We'll be back next week with Enter the Dragon. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. <laughs>